Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode here on the 5571 Podcast. My name is Danny, and for those that don't know, this is a podcast all about what's new and what's happening at the Design Resort as far as news, rumors, speculation, all that kind of stuff. Um, And we also discuss other Southern California theme parks as well, too, and major news from parks, too, as well as Walt Disney World and Universal Orlando Resort. Um, And we have some news to talk about this week, but first, I wanted to thank you guys all for um, joining me back. It's been a little bit of time since we've been together on the podcast. I was actually away on a vacation, a family trip, um, at Walt Disney World. I actually hadn't been to Walt Disney World with my family since 2019. So it's been a while and it was great to be back there. We actually had an opportunity to stay at Disney's Saratoga Springs Resort, um, which is one of the Disney Springs resorts, um, closest to, I get Disney Springs. So, um, there's a few, there's like, um, Disney's uh, Port Orleans Resort, Riverside, French Quarter. Then there's the Treehouse Villas at Saratoga Springs and Old Key West, um, plus Disney's Saratoga Springs Resort. So all those hotels are ones that are near Disney Springs or considered Disney Springs Resorts. Um, And so this one, though, Disney's Saratoga Springs Resort is just across from Disney Springs. There's a big giant lake that separates this hotel and the shopping district. So um, I wanted to stay there again. I actually had stayed there last year or the year before. I can't even remember now. What exactly, I think it was last year um, with Peter and Kitra from Ordinary Ventures and Ashley and Nick from Mouse Vibes. And we were there during Hurricane Ian. So it was kind of a scary time to be there. Um, and I don't feel like I was able to enjoy the resort as much. So I wanted to go back and give this resort another try. Um, and I'm really glad I did. Um, we all really enjoyed it when we were there. So that's kind of the reason why I wanted to go back again. Um, my parents actually um, really enjoyed the resort and like the tranquility of it and how you felt really separate. But at the same time, uh, they also liked like being at the hotels surrounding the Magic Kingdom. So the ones around the Seven Seas Lagoon, like Disney's Contemporary Resort, Disney's Wilderness Lodge, Disney's uh Polynesian Village Resort, Grand Floridian, those ones, um, because of the convenience of the monorail and being able to just walk to the walk to Magic Kingdom from the Contemporary, um, and kind of being in the hustle and bustle off. You want to go from hotel to hotel to hotel. It's really really easy. Um, Saratoga Springs Resort, you have to drive even to get to the lobby. So it's very big. It's very sprawling. It's very huge. Um, Saratoga Springs is themed to like New England, like New York, essentially, um, which Saratoga Springs in New York, uh, which is sort of like the horse racing area, um, very rich history. And they kind of pay homage to that at the resort. Um, it has that vibe, that look, that feel very tranquil, very, uh, peaceful, sprawling out actually across a golf course, um, which people were golfing when we were there. Um, but this was a great time to go. I've never been in January and February. Um, it's nice to go to Florida and not sweat to death. That was great. Um, it was very, very cold. People don't realize that Florida can actually get really cold, especially with humidity. It makes the colder even feel colder than it is. So, um, we actually had pretty mild cold temperatures, like what we would experience here, um, before I left. So we were having like high 50s, maybe going down to 40s at nighttime. However, 
the problem that we were having was the wind chill. The wind chill was actually in the low 20s, high 20s. Um, so you're at a park like Epcot that has a big natural body of water in it, or big, not natural, but a big massive body of water in it, like um, World Showcase Lagoon, uh, you know, that tends to create wind, right? And when you're sitting there waiting for a nighttime show with wind chill, um, that's really whipping up that wind blowing in your face in the 20s, um, it can burn your face. So you're like sitting there trying to cover your face with a scarf, put your hood up, it's only technically like high 40s, like low 50s as far as temperature, which you could pretty much ward off with like a hoodie or something, maybe like doubling up some layers, but it's the wind chill that got you. And your hands, if they were exposed, were completely frozen. It's like your that feeling you get when you're out um, on the mountains snowing or when it's snowing and you're going snowboarding and um skiing or if you're out on an ice skating rink and you're skating like where your hands get really cold and like your nose and face kind of numb up that's what it was feeling like (laughs) so it was definitely a different feeling um but it was exciting to go during this time because it was the epcot festival of the arts and i'd never been during this time either so now i've done all the festivals at epcot uh, which is really, really cool. Um, so far still, the Flower and Garden Festival in the springtime is my favorite one. I would say this one's a close second um, with the Festival of Holidays being third and then um, Food and Wine Festival being last. Uh, but I hadn't seen a lot of the changes that had happened at Epcot. Um, we didn't get to experience Moana when we were there during the hurricane because that wasn't open yet. So And that Um, when I was there in May, it was like just going to be opening after that for cast member previews. So, um, hadn't experienced it then either. So this was my first time doing the Moana journey of water, which was really, really cool. A great addition to Epcot in the world nature area of the park. Um, I also hadn't experienced, like I mentioned, festival of the arts. That was my first time kind of going around seeing all there is to do, um, looking at some of the food offerings they had, some of the activities they had going on for that. Um, I also hadn't experienced Tron. I'd been there when Tron was open, but didn't ride it last time. So just didn't have the time to. We were kind of there. Part of my group rode it. I wasn't really feeling it based on like um, the meals we had just eaten. So I kind of just stayed off the ride. And this time I kind of planned it to, to do it because I really, really wanted to do Tron. So was able to experience that as well too. Um, Tron is a short ride, right? Everyone says that all the time, but it's really fun. Um, I enjoyed it. And the best part about it, it's a high capacity ride. That thing is constantly loading, constantly dispatching. Um, and Magic Kingdom needs a ride like that. So I'm looking forward to the day that Tron Light Cycle Run can be uh, just standby and you don't have to do the boarding group, the lightning lane, individual, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that really... Um, I feel like that'd be really fun to just be able to go up and stand by it if you really wanted to, because the line moves fairly quickly. The, the, the ride is a fast dispatching attraction. So um, honestly, if they added this at Disneyland in some capacity, uh, I wouldn't be mad because it's a really fun attraction. Um, it's high capacity, high efficiency, and Disneyland also needs rides like that. So uh, some people are kind of poo-pooing on the idea of having that attraction, but I think it'd be a great addition. But overall, had a fun time. Um, Some people wanted to kind of know how it went, how I liked it. Um, Wanted to share that quick little 10 minutes with you guys as far as what what my thoughts were about uh, staying at Walt Disney World. I always have fun when I go. Um, 
I forgot to mention too that Disney's Saratoga Springs Resort is a Disney Vacation Club resort. Uh, and I am, uh, with my family, a Disney Vacation Club member. So we're able to book there. However, Walt Disney World has so many Disney Vacation Club resorts uh, that every single Disney Vacation Club resort isn't booked all the time 24-7 by Disney Vacation Club members. So there are plenty of opportunities for regular paying guests to just pay for a villa um, without having to book it through someone who has DVC points. That's why, for instance, like when you go to Disneyland hotels on the website and try to book a hotel room at the Disneyland hotel, a lot of times there's options to book some of those new studios in the Villa Tower, the Discovery Tower, um, for a price. So um, you can do this again at Saratoga Springs Resort, and that resort is so big, and a lot of times it's not booked up with Disney Vacation Club. But However, Disney Vacation Club does have priority at all the Disney Vacation Club resorts, so if by chance they all do book up, uh, there won't be any opportunity for a regular guest to book it. So this is one of those resorts, um, but the other ones I listed earlier that are all part of um, resorts that are close to Disney Springs, um, there are some there that are just regular ones, like Disney's Riv Port Orleans Riverside and Port Orleans French Quarter. I know... There's a lot of questions people have about Walt Disney World. They want to book their own trip. It sounds kind of daunting. It can be really daunting. Um, and if you have any questions, of course, feel free to email me, danny at justaskdanny.com. Um, I'd love to have a Q&A about Walt Disney World as a podcast episode. Maybe have Mondo on here, even Mystery Bay, um, so they can talk about um, and answer some of those questions as well, too. Um, and you know, potentially you guys can even book with them since they both are travel agents, um, and are happy, more than willing to make quotes for you guys, uh, for any Disney vacation, whether it's a Disneyland resort vacation, Disney world resort and cruise line. Um, but it's, um, very daunting sometimes for people that are trying to book new, um, but I'd be happy to answer those questions. And like I said, maybe compile those if we get enough of them. Um, so again, feel free to send those into Danny at justasdanny.com. On to the news of it all for this episode. We are starting first over at the hotels of Disneyland Resort for Pixar Place Hotel. It finally opened on January 30th. Um, I actually was able to go after work that day and experience the hotel just after, um, you know, around 6.30 p.m. and kind of just walked the grounds for a little bit. We actually dined at the Great Maple Restaurant that night again um, and just wanted to experience it on its opening day after it was rebranded officially, right? We were in this weird phase where we were having to call it Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel, but soon to be Par Pixar Place Hotel, but now it's just the Pixar Place Hotel and some new things debut, right? They obviously debuted that new statue of the Luxo lamp in the middle of the lobby, which looks amazing um, as the centerpiece right above it. All the hanging mobiles of the abstract versions of all the different Pixar characters. A really fun lobby. There was some other additions too. I had seen first on Twitter from uh, user Fairytale Mindy. She had posted a couch that actually is um, Heimlich, which is so cool. I actually wouldn't have guessed that right away um, until someone probably explained it to me. I mean, usually I'm pretty good at observing that kind of stuff, but this one was super cool. And I just, I don't think I would have guessed that right away, but as soon as she pointed it out, I thought that was so clever. The couch is really long, like a caterpillar. It has his color scheme and has little feet on it, just like a caterpillar. So 
super cool, but they added so many additions into the hotel's lobby over that last week, and I had an opportunity to walk through and see all of those. I know as soon as they started kind of opening some of the areas in the lobby levels of Pixar Place Hotel, a lot of it looked plain and open and just really kind of bare, and people were commenting on that and saying that, but the reality of it was we just weren't close enough to the opening date yet for Disney to put in all those final embellishments. They had a lot of planners added all throughout the lobby, which brought a lot more life and and greenery into the area. Um, they added a ton more artwork all over the walls, more furniture pieces into all the different nooks and crannies of the lobby areas. It really felt like um, a well-themed, well-thought-out area and space all throughout the lobby. Um, the new a uh, sketchpad cafe opened not that long ago before, but now fully open with everything in the lobby. Um, we have the new concierge lounge called the Creators Club. That was a pretty cool thing. I haven't been in there physically myself, but I did see um, some pictures from Twitter user um, Brooke, I think Brooke McDonald. Um, she shared some pictures from inside the club and it was really, really cool. They've done a lot of detail work inside there as well, including having um, one of the critters from Jesse's Critter Carousel on the pole display there inside the, um, the creator's lounge, as well as they had some lighting fixtures from the former Bugs Land inside Disney California Adventure Park. So some nods back to DCA past. Um, and also some other Pixar fun little hidden tidbits in there. Um, and then lastly, they also opened the brand new Small Bites little location, which is outside by the pool. That's kind of like a pool bar, a little pool quick service restaurant. Um, it had some pretty good items, right? Some things you would expect at the pool, like burgers, french fries, chicken fingers, you know, normal kids meal, fair, kind of stuff like that. Um, and then they had some other additional really fun grab-and-go items. And then, of course, it is a bar, too. So, um, But lots of cool, fun spaces out there. What I did find out is that, that that space is open to anyone that wants to go out there. So if you wanted to try that restaurant, you're welcome to do so. The areas that are closed off to people that are just staying at the hotel would be the immediate area around the pools, of course, and that slide slash water play area. That, of course, is just exclusive to hotel guests. So if you wanted to come on try the new pool bar restaurant, that small bites, you're welcome to do that. Um, that is open to anyone. I asked the, the lobby cast members and they mentioned that you're able to go up there and dine there if you'd like. So if you haven't seen that yet, feel free to do that. Um, I also wanted to mention too that the Pixar Place Hotel, even though it has rebranded officially, they were a little behind on some of the new room renovation construction. Uh, they finished quite a few. In fact, I would say about half or more than half last time we had checked. Um, but there's still a possibility that you're going to get a room themed to the old Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel. So it's going to have that old early 2000s beach theme, um, and it'll be quite a shock, right? Very different from the rest of the hotel. Um, and you can tell that you're going to be getting one of those rooms based on the hallway that you're in. Um, they are working round the clock to get the rest of the rooms finished, um, but they're just not all quite done at this point. But they are working through it. I would imagine you can request it, first come, first serve basis, to get a newly renovated room. Um, a lot of the people I saw that were staying there on opening weekend that had newly renovated rooms looked like they were staying in premium view theme park view rooms. So I don't know if that's like the first ones they finished were those 
Um, if there's any standard views that also have been renovated. I noticed too when we were out at the pool area looking into those rooms that were considered cabana rooms, the ones that open right out to the pool deck on the third floor, those ones all looked to be renovated as well too. So um, something to keep in mind when you're staying at the hotel, there is a chance that if you book it, you're going to get an old room. And um, I don't think that's something that they'll re they'll reimburse you for. So you're going to just have to live with that if that ends up being something that you end up getting assigned. I also forgot to mention that two brand new character meet and greets debuted with the rebranding of the Pixar Place Hotel on its opening day. And that was Bing Bong greeting guests in the lobby and out by that pool deck area. And also Joe Gardner from Seoul. He's playing piano, all of his tunes that he plays there in the lobby on the lobby piano just by the staircase. And there's actually a soul themed area around that staircase already. So he fits there perfectly. Um, and there's random times throughout the day. I do believe that the cast members that work in the lobby can share some of the times that those characters will be there. It's open to all guests, not just guests staying at the hotel. So you're more than welcome to make your way over there if you are visiting the resort for the day to see these new characters. At this time, Disney said there's no plans for the characters to be greeting inside the park. So for now, they're going to be exclusive to the Pixar Place Hotel. Over in downtown Disney, we got a brand new update from Disneyland sharing some new information um, about a bunch of different places, um, including the Paseo restaurant and Centrico restaurant by the Patina Group. So we got a little bit more details about it and kind of what they're going to be offering. Um, in addition to that, though, they shared that there's going to be a quick service location attached to those as well. So technically, this new location is bringing us three restaurants. So Paseo will be the fine dining sit-down restaurant. Centrico will be the brand new bar and lounge area that took over the Uva Bar in the center of that walkway there in downtown Disney. And then the new Tiendita location will be the quick service location. And um, Tiendita is also by chef um, Carlos Gaetan, who's the Michelin star chef that's the concept of this whole restaurant for Paseo. Um, and it's going to be um, offering like Mexican street food staples and, and to-go items. So um, very similar, to, right? There's going to be a twist on um, Mexican street food as far as Paseo, but on a more fancier scale. Um, they're probably going to be doing very similar things here at Tiendita, but it's going to be more on-the-go, grab-and-go kind of thing. So um, it's going to be nice that they're going to have that, right? We know that T Tortilla Joe's is going to be closing. A lot of people were big fans of the Taqueria there. So um, this is, you know, getting back another quick service location that's from that same restaurant group. Again, we still don't know the the outcome of what that restaurant location for the former Tortilla Joe's is going to be. Um, we just know it's closing, right? We know... Um, some other details too, which I'll get into in just a second in that downtown Disney update. But I wanted to mention this one first because uh, we had been talking about Paseo and Centrico before. So now we have a third restaurant. Really beautiful, right? The whole theme for a lot of these, including Centrico, it's like really kind of modern wooded look, like lots of wood used. And then they have greenery just kind of all over the wood, just like vines and, and greenery growing out of it all. Um, and that's the same theme that's kind of being continued at Tiendita. So looks really cool. Um, Disney shared some 
concept artwork of it. They also showed um, in the concept art that it looks like you're ordering yourself off of like a kiosk and then picking it up. So um, also a little bit of a different way than we are normally experiencing at um, Taqueria as well. So over at Disney California Adventure Park, the Lunar New Year Festival actually kicked off last week on Tuesday. And um, I was able to actually experience it over the weekend, and it was a lot of fun. I actually have a YouTube video from my experience when I went to go try some foods and just kind of see everything that was going on. Um, It's on my YouTube channel now. Just search Just Ask Danny on YouTube and you'll find it. Um, I did a really long what's new and what's happening update uh, because I had done one since before the trip. So I wanted to really kind of go over everything that I missed. Um, But I covered the Lunar New Year Festival very similar to previous years. We have the Mulan's Lunar New Year Procession Parade. We have the meet and greet with Raya and the Last Dragon. Um, We have the booths all up and down the parade performance corridor. We have special food offerings at Paradise Garden Grill, special entertainment all over the place. It really just felt like there was a lot more places to use your Sip and Savor Pass this year, which was really great. Um, The Sip and Savor Pass cost me $43. It comes with six tastings. And for the first time ever, this was a digital Sip and Savor Pass. So you were able to wear it around your neck and then the cast members scanned it. And then it had a little like four digit pin code on it that you would enter on the little touchpad at the cast registers at each of the different places you ordered it with. Um, And then it would redeem those those tastings so you had six tastings that you can use um so you don't have to pull the little tabs off anymore and and get those lost by chance so much better system i think um but there's a lot of places to use them like you could use it over at the hollywood lounge there was of course all the booths you can use it at anything except for alcohol um you could use it for tasting size portions from the Paradise Garden Grill. So a lot of different places to use it than just the booth. So um, I almost felt like six wasn't enough. I kind of wished we got the eight that we normally get for food and wine and festival holidays, Um, especially since festival holidays this year was so bad with all the mac and cheese. Like we had such better variety for this one and we only got six tastings. So there were a lot of really great options though. We had talked about them before on this podcast and um, I tried some of the ones I really, really wanted to try and they were all really, really good with the exception of just like a few. Um, but definitely go check out that video to see those and see what I think and then start building your list of when you want to go and what you want to do. Um, but there's so many other things too that Lunar New Year Festival kind of spread into. I mentioned the Hollywood Land area of Disney California Adventure Park, which was um, new for like the Hollywood Lounge and that food truck that's there. But in addition to that, the Grand Californian Hotel got in on the entertainment and the decorations this year with the massive dragon hanging in the lobby for the Lunar New Year Festival. They have, of course, that little snack stand in the lobby selling treats and snacks themed to the Lunar New Year Festival. But the Craftsman's Grill is also um, hosting a special um, entree item, a Dan Dan noodle with uh, pork really, really good looking dish. Um, I was so full by the time I had tried all my different things. I just didn't have any room to order that item, but I do want to go back and try it. It's on my list. Um, and it's only during the Lunar New Year festival. But in addition to that, the Grand Californian had some really cool entertainment, live entertainment happening in the lobby for Lunar New Year festival, including story time with Mulan. 
Uh, and all these things are available to anyone in the lobby. So it was really cool um, and also a really great way to experience the Lunar New Year Festival if you don't have access to the theme park, whether that's because you don't have a pass or because maybe your pass is blocked out when you want to go. Um, have fun in downtown Disney. There's so many locations. Also getting in on the festival as far as food offerings. Um, those are all listed in the foodie guide as well. Um, but the hotels of the design resort, at least the Grand Californian, is getting in on that as well too. And there's entertainment there that you could watch. So definitely still lots of ways to have fun at design resort if you aren't able to get into the parks to celebrate. But I alluded earlier to a new update for Downtown Disney where they talked about that Tiendita quick service restaurant coming to Paseo and Centrico. Um, and it was like one big update that Disney shared that um, talked about not only that restaurant, but some other changes, right? Um, of course, confirming Earl of Sandwich, going to that temporary trailer location that they built just next to the Star Wars trading post, but also letting us know that Earl of Sandwich is working on a permanent two-story location, which we've talked about many time on this podcast as a speculation. Um, it was confirmed now. So they are going to be having a two-story location with a quick service Earl of Sandwich shop on the ground level, and then that table service gastropub tavern upstairs. And it's supposed to have fireworks viewing from the upstairs tavern. So um, a whole new concept for Earl of Sandwich, at least for Design Resort. I'm excited to see it come, and um, hopefully this will be the last time, once that opens, that Earl will have to move. But for now, Earl will be leaving at some point, the La Brea Bakery location, um, probably in the next few months or so. We'll see some sort of closure pop up for that location. And then it will open at its temporary little trailer location next to the Star Wars Trading Post, with probably a much more limited menu. Um, and sandwiches probably pre-made with not a lot of availability to do customization. That's what I'm guessing. So, um, but I did want to confirm that Earl of Sandwich location. And in addition to that, Disney also shared a brand new location coming. It's like one giant multi-story location building coming inside downtown Disney that's going to house four different culinary concepts. So, if you've ever been into like, um, I'm trying to think like a, a Whole Foods or um, like a Bristol Farms uh, market where they have like the little different mini restaurants inside that location that are like, it's almost like a little mini food court in there. That's kind of the concept of this. So it's like a multi-story location that has like four different food concepts inside of it that all serve different things. So one of the, it's a concept from Levy Restaurants, and it's going to include Soul Sister, um, which is spelled S-E-O-U-L, so I'm guessing Korean-inspired food, um, Sip and Sonder, Gigi's Chicken Shop, and a Second Story Bar. So um, lots of different places to sit in there. It kind of It's kind of giving vibes of like the Anaheim Packing House a little bit as far as like the way you can kind of sit and mingle in all these large kind of common spaces. Um, it looks really fun. It looks like a fun place to hang out. Really necessary, I feel, for downtown Disney to kind of bring some more liveliness to the area, some more um, available options for people that aren't going into the theme park. Um, I don't know where this is going. People are speculating that it's going to be one of the locations across from the Din Tai Fung restaurant. 
or um, some new place altogether, like maybe where Tortilla Joe's is, and then that gets demolished, and then this gets put in its place. I don't know. They didn't really quite say where it's going to be located, so we'll have to keep an eye on the transformation of downtown Disney as it continues um, with in, involves over the next few months with building Porto soon and relocating Earl of Sandwich. It's going to be a lot. There's still a lot happening in downtown Disney, and it's probably going to be one of the areas changing the quickest. So we can showcase that on the YouTube channel and also talk about it here as it all starts to happen live. A couple changes over at Disneyland Park if you're planning a visit up and coming. Um, the Haunted Mansion is now closed for its massive refurbishment on the exterior and reworking of its entire queue. Um, there is now, just like we had speculated, construction walls that start at Tiana's Palace Restaurant and essentially go all the way to Pooh's Corner in the, in the back corner of Critter Country um, because the walls basically merge with the construction walls for Tiana's Bayou Adventure. So lots of construction happening over in the New Orleans Square area. And because they removed Pirates or um, Haunted Mansion from the Lightning Lane, they added Pirates of the Caribbean to Lightning Lane. So that's another change. If you're buying Disney Genie Plus, you're going to have the option to book Pirates of the Caribbean as a Lightning Lane. Um, I have seen this implemented over the last week that they've been doing it. It's worked really, really well. Hasn't impacted the line too much. In, in fact, um, Pirates of the Caribbean has had Fast Pass before in the past, so it's certainly um, easily accommodated at the attraction. And it's very well implemented in the sense that you get to go basically right up to the front. So um, it's a great lightning lane to book if you want to do it. So keep that in mind. That's a big change. Um, but they did remove you know, attractions like Haunted Mansion, Splash Mountain from that lightning lane. So that's why they added this to kind of bring some of that value back that was lost. Um, when they lost those two attractions during this construction period. One other construction inside Disneyland that we've been following is the Mark Twain. And actually, on the day that this podcast goes live, the Mark Twain will be ready and available again. So it's reopening on February the 2nd, um, and it'll be going around the Rivers of America again. I also had an opportunity to see this attraction live and in person over the weekend in its dry dock. Um, it was looking really good. They were doing some final finishing painting on the inside portions of the ship, um, but it's gotten a brand new paint job, a lot of brand new woodwork done, um, a totally new paddle wheel that was custom commissioned for the boat. Uh, they redid all the gold leafing on the smokestacks. The, the Mark Twain looks better than ever. Um, it'll last it for the next couple years or so, I would imagine. Uh, they're going to need it, right? Fantasmic is returning in Memorial Day weekend, so they need the ship in tip-top shape, um, getting ready for all the performances it's going to have every single night once Fantasmic comes back. But more importantly, this is one of my favorite attractions, so I'm excited to see it back, and I'll definitely be experiencing that this weekend when I go back to Disneyland, because um, I've been missing that, so it'll be the first thing that I do. And then, seemingly out of nowhere, we got a random update that was posted by, I think, the Register. Um, there was some patents or construction filings uh, for permits and things like that. Um, and then I think the KTLA News and Fox 11, everyone kind of jumped on it as soon as that happened. Uh, but Disneyland is going to be beginning work soon. 
um, to build new entrance turnstiles, right? We have some pretty old entrance turnstiles at Disneyland that haven't really changed. Um, hopefully there's some implementation there for magic bands, uh, that make that process a little bit easier because currently right now the way magic bands are scanned is not the best experience for guests and for cast members alike. Um, we're going to be getting some sort of automated turnstile, um, where the cast members are not involved in the process and they're kind of standing behind it. Um, maybe one cast member to a group of turnstiles where, um, guests can, you know, the cast member can approach those guests if there's an issue, but everything will be very automated. Um, think kind of how Walt Disney World's is where they're just tap styles for magic bands and tap cards. I don't necessarily know where we're going that route, but I'm thinking maybe we go more with what, um, Disneyland Paris has, which those turnstiles are a little more automated and look like something you'd see on a Tokyo Metro or a Paris Metro where you're scanning your own ticket and it has like these big giant acrylic gates, kind of like what you'd see when you're loading an attraction and uh, there's those little tiny gates in front of you um, before you board your ride vehicle and they open up. Um, that's kind of what I'm expecting to see for our turnstiles. If you ever Google those um, for Disneyland Paris turnstiles, you'll kind of see what that looks like. I feel like that's what we're going to be getting, um, but they are going to be having special gates that can access strollers um, that are ADA accessible because right now they do have to open that gate in the middle to let strollers through and wheelchairs. So this is a little bit more secure, a little bit easier for the cast members so they're not having to potentially injure themselves opening that gate. Maybe it's like a repetitive motion. Um, any way they can make things more accommodating, um, I think is better uh, and definitely bringing them up to the future as far as, uh, uh, technology. Cause we have some pretty old and outdated turnstiles. Next in the news, I wanted to transition over to Disneyland forward and some of that stuff, right? We knew that, um, things would be voted on, things would be decided on, this year. Um, and it was supposed to be the beginning of the year, but it looks like that's been delayed a little bit, but they have been having a lot of workshops, a lot of, um, town halls and getting closer to that vote, right? That, um, time that they're going to be deciding on it all. Well, Disney has, um, had some of those workshops, some of those town halls, and they have, um, now committed to spending, at least $1.9 billion over the next 10 years pending approval. Um, so that is about $2 billion um, at minimum. So we, if we think about $2 billion, that's how much money Disney spent to redo Disney California Adventure from 1.0 to 2.0, but that was back in 2012. So, you know, inflation has happened. Things are a little bit different now. Um, and it was also about how much they spent to build Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. So um, in the next 10 years, right, that would probably be um, one or two major lands or attractions. Um, and so, you know, beyond it's not going to cover everything inside uh, the spaces that were outlined for Disneyland forward. Um, those spaces would be they mentioned um essentially able to let Disneyland continue to expand over the next 30 years. So this could be wherever they decide to start first with that expansion. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what that is, but um, it's really cool to see that at least they're committing to that much. Um, that was the latest so far there. No like hinting towards approval or anything like that. However, um, Disney, you know, is trying to do its best still to, um, 
provide as much information as they can to the citizens of Anaheim, the good neighbors around them, um, and and hoping that it'll you know let them know, hey, we're bringing um, new new attractions, new entertainment, new hotels, dining and shopping, which brings more jobs, which um, will help uplift the area. Um, they're also um, committing to not only invest um, in the resort itself, but also in the city. So they've committed, um, if approved, um, to to um, giving money towards parks in Anaheim, towards low-income housing, um, to improvement in city infrastructure. Um, so, and there's, I think it was like a few hundred million that they've um, committed to that. So, um, uh, you know, Disney is trying to do what they can, right, to, to be a good neighbor in this situation. Um, one might say it seems like a lot that Disney's doing for something that is already land that they own, um, but it is drastically changing uh, the landscape of that land and also potentially the landscape of someone directly next to their house. So that's the reason why they're trying to do this goodwill um, and not only trying to convince the government, but the neighbors surrounding the resort. Next, I wanted to transition over to Universal Studios Hollywood because we're approaching the one-year anniversary of Super Nintendo World. And to commemorate that, they're actually going to be releasing a special commemorative all golden power-up band that has the Mario M on it. Um, that's going to be available starting February 17th. Uh, but in addition to that, on February 17th, they're going to be issuing complimentary one-year anniversary buttons um, to guests that are entering the park that day um, for Super Nintendo World's one-year anniversary. Um, and they also opened a brand new cafe to commemorate the moment, um, but it's open now. Um, and I haven't actually physically tried it myself, but I know Mondo from Five Fires YouTube, he's done it. So go check out his channel if you want to see what that looks like. Um, but the Power Up Cafe is offering an assortment of snacks. So it's not like full entree items, but they've got some really fun Nintendo snacks that are not available anywhere on the lower lot, even inside Nintendo Land itself. Um, so they're going to have a ton of new drinks that are not available in the land, um, as well as some new food items like a pretzel, um, some calzones that are shaped like mushrooms, uh, power-up mushrooms. Uh, they have a green one, they have a red one. The red one's filled with like pepperoni and sausage, and the green one has like vegetables in it and mushrooms uh, and pesto sauce. Uh, and then they have a bunch of different fizzy drinks uh, that are all available as well, too. And the nice thing about this, which I didn't kind of correlate, but Mondo talked to me about, was that the fizzy drinks that they have on the lower lot, um, all those different sodas, they're all essentially like floats, and they include ice cream. And not everyone wants ice cream in their drinks, so these new fizzy drinks that are available on the upper lot in this Power Up Cafe... They're just um, fizzy drinks. They don't have ice cream in them. They do have like little candies and like sometimes glitter and stuff like that. Um, but they're not um, going to be ice cream floats. So if if you're um, allergic to dairy or you just don't really want to float and you just want to try a cool drink, they have a bunch of different options there. So check it out. Power Up Cafe, all opening 
to commemorate the one-year anniversary of Super Nintendo World opening at Universal Studios Hollywood. Lastly, the biggest news of the week came to us from the Universal Orlando Resort. They announced a ton more details and confirmed so many different things about their newest theme park that they're building called Epic Universe. This theme park is going to be opening in 2025. It's looking more so like early 2025, just based on some of the hotel availability. Um, but they shared with us the name of the five different lands and what the IP or intellectual property is going to be for those themes of those five lands. Now, I've been following this very closely on Twitter and YouTube, thanks to um, Alicia Stella. She's been documenting it amazingly on her YouTube channel, Park Stop, as well as on her Twitter. So um, follow her on all the socials for anything that has to do with Epic Universe. Um, but Universal was able to confirm the five themed lands for this theme park. We have Celestial Park, which is going to be the main street area of the park. Um, it's going to really set the stage for the land with a really ethereal, otherworldly fantasy vibe. Um, that's an, uh, like a, an entrance way to the portals of all the different lands and worlds that you're entering in Epic Universe, one being Super Nintendo World, um, which their Super Nintendo World is going to be much different than ours. It's going to be the larger, more scaled up version that we see in um, uh, Universal Studios Japan, maybe even a little bit bigger than theirs, with the Donkey Kong expansion already open. So they're going to have the Donkey Kong roller coaster, the Yoshi ride, the Mario Kart ride, all the extra space for the games, the restaurants, etc. This is going to be a huge Super Nintendo world, and it's just one land in this huge theme park. The next area is going to be called Dark Universe, and this is a land themed exclusively to Universal monsters. So Frankenstein, Wolfman, Dracula, all that. They're going to be the classic monsters of Universal, have their own themed land with an attraction, with dining and shopping. It's going to be amazing. Now, for all these lands... They haven't really confirmed any of the attractions with the exception of Celestial Park. They're going to be going one by one, showcasing the different attractions in the land um, as we go through 2024 leading up to 2025. So, so far, they shared the names of all the lands, but they gave us the closer look at Celestial Park, which is that first land, that main street when you first walk in. So we know the attractions there. One's a carousel and one is a dueling coaster. Um, those are, and then of course, all the, the landscaping and the gardens and the fountains and the dining and the shopping, they showed us all that as well too. Um, but Super Nintendo World, we kind of already know the attractions there just because this land exists already. Um, they will, of course, reveal it in, at some later date, um, but we kind of already know that one. As far as Dark Universe, there's a lot of speculation, and Alicia Stella has done a really great job of compiling all that. Um, but there might be a restaurant there, um, a, dark, a dark ride attraction, um, but we'll have to wait and see with that one. The next land is going to be the Wizarding World of Harry Potter Ministry of Magic. They mentioned that this would be the Ministry of Magic in two different places from two different movies, one being the Ministry of Magic um, in France from Fantastic Beasts, and the other being the Ministry of Magic um, in England, which we have seen in the original Harry Potter movies. So um, they mentioned that this attraction was very special, 
at this at this land, but they wouldn't share what it was just yet. So we'll find out more details about that later. And then the last immersive land was um, how to train your dragon land. So that one is um, going to have a roller coaster as well too, but they haven't really shared much about it. Um, and of course, it's going to be themed to the Isle of Burke, the dragon Viking area in the movie. So uh, they also showed us the Universal Helios Grand Hotel, um, which is the massive 500-room hotel anchoring this whole theme park. And it's going to be um, basically inside the park, which is the first time for Universal Studios, the way that they're doing it like this. Um, it's towering, it's massive, and um, I would imagine probably really expensive. But how cool would it be to stay in one of those rooms during that opening week? Um, I'll definitely, it's on my list. I don't know if I can afford that, but it'll be on my list and looking to see what that's like. But I can't wait. If you want to see this, Universal Studios put out a video showcasing all of this stuff that we're talking about. I'll go ahead and put a link to that video in the show notes of this episode so you can click it and watch it if you haven't. They explain all the stuff on that announcement. Um, but they're going to be sharing so many stuff over the next year about Epic Universe as we lead up to the opening, and I can't wait. But that wraps up this episode of the 5571 podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode and for um, coming back with me on this little bit of a, a break here. Um, but I appreciate it. And thanks for sticking around. Thanks for those that have um, sent in email comments and questions and things like that. I really do appreciate them. Again, that email is danny at justasdanny.com. And if you'd like to follow me on all my social media, it's going to be just Just Ask Danny. You can search for me almost anywhere under Just Ask Danny on Instagram, on Twitter slash X, on YouTube, etc. You can find me there. And then also you can subscribe to this podcast on the platform that you're listening to. So make sure you get the latest and greatest episodes pushed into your feed. Um, it's on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on um, YouTube Podcasts now because they've transitioned that out of Google. Um, so definitely make sure you're following, subscribing, whatever it is you do on those platforms. Um, but I want to thank you guys again for listening and um also, make sure if you want a more visual aspect to a lot of the things we've talked about on this podcast episode, make sure you're subscribed to me on the YouTube channel so you can watch a video where I talk about a lot of this news in that video in person over at Disneyland. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon on the next one.